From the grassroots media team at Weave News, this is Interweaving. Welcome to Episode 9 of Interweaving. I'm John Collins. Today we bring you COVID-19 Diaries, a new series focusing on how people are experiencing and interpreting what's happening around them as the global pandemic caused by the spread of the new coronavirus continues to unfold. We recently put out a call to our Weave News contributors and others around the world asking them to share some of their observations on COVID-19. Their reports are inevitably products of the moments in which they were created. And we want to be clear that they're not meant to be a substitute for the urgent information we should all be seeking out from our local authorities, public health officials, and scientific experts. Instead, our goal with this series is to help listeners weave the world together by making human connections across cultural, geographic, and other boundaries. Some of the questions we're asking our contributors to think about are, how is COVID-19 affecting your community? What are you seeing and experiencing? What is giving you hope? Are there aspects of the COVID-19 story that need more media attention? And how is COVID-19 shaping the way you see the world? Today, we bring you voices from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Stowe, Vermont, Amherst, Massachusetts, and London, UK. My name is Mallory Craig Kuhn. Today is Monday, March 16th, and I'm reporting from Buenos Aires, Argentina. COVID-19 is affecting my community similarly to the way that it's doing in a lot of other countries. It's the only thing on the news. It's the only thing anybody talks about. We're watching international developments really closely. There's a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months as far as our work and our interpersonal relationships and our movement on our economy. Um, definitely, we're seeing some stockpiling happening, especially in you know large chain grocery stores. So far, there's not a nationwide quarantine, but um, that definitely has, it's not off the table as far as a possibility. Um, current cases here are about 55, and there have been two deaths. So definitely, we're not seeing the numbers um, that, that we have in a lot of other countries, especially Europe, uh, you know, in North America and, and different parts of Asia. Um, borders that were just closed uh, yesterday, Sunday, March 15th, to non-Argentines and non-residents, public schools, there are no classes, universities, many of them are closed, Um, sporting events, bars, restaurants, concerts, etc. The same kind of limits on on large social gatherings that we're seeing in so many other places. Um, What's giving me hope? Honestly, uh, there was a presidential address um, yesterday evening where these measures were were rolled out that I just mentioned. And the president, Alberto Fernandez, who's of a leftist socialist uh, leaning, gave a very strong message of social responsibility. He stressed the fact that it is every individual's responsibility to take care of their own health because that's the way that we care for the more vulnerable members of our society, um, the elderly, people with underlying conditions. It's everybody's responsibility to adhere to mandatory quarantines, to follow recommendations of international health organizations um, because we do have an individual responsibility to safeguard the community's well-being. I would love to see more in the news about, gosh, like positive stuff. Um, 
you know, what are ways that we, where can we donate if we have disposable income? How can we safely volunteer our time or our skills? Are there things that individuals can do beyond abiding by recommendations, um, you know, for, for health, for social distancing? I think that feeling productive, feeling like we're helping can do a lot to assuage the sensations of panic or helplessness that so many of us are feeling in the face of a situation that is literally changing hour to hour. And the way that it's affecting how I see the world, um, I think that this, like pretty much everything else, is a big old privilege check. Um, you know, those of us who, you know, can, can share memes about how quarantine means we get to catch up on our favorite series on Netflix, that is a giant expression of privilege. Um, if you know, we're young and healthy and are not worried about missing a paycheck and are not worried about how we'll care for or feed our children. Um, you know, those are all things that, that are not universal. I think that this is an, a very strong opportunity for us to understand that the individual experience is not the universal experience. And that's something that's important um, for all of us to have in mind, not only right now, but in the way that we interact with each other and with the global economy and with the planet and you know this is something that permeates every level of life um also you know as somebody who grew up in the united states and still you know my whole family is in the states i've been following really closely the messaging uh the leadership or lack thereof at the federal level in the united states in a you know a highly privileged uh neoliberal developed economy and then the messaging here in a developing country in the global south there are there are no illusions here that the national infrastructure could not handle thousands of cases of people needing intensive care in hospitals um our economy is highly unstable um this is a country where where people are not accustomed to being able to plan for the future we have a very unstable economy the argentine peso is very unstable um, and I think that, that that affects the way that not only the government, um, but individuals in society as well are considering uh, or, or trying to wrap their heads, heads around the, the current situation. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, all of us are, are trying to find the way that, that we can best handle a situation of a lot of uncertainty um, and try to avoid this very individualist look out for number one kind of outlook. Uh, and prepare ourselves the best that we can and, and, and look out for other members of our community. So that is the update from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Thank you so much. My name is AJ Braverman. Today is March 16th, 2020, and I'm reporting from Stowe, Vermont. The coronavirus situation is deeply affecting my community today. Restaurants and businesses, uh, it was announced they would be closed um, by Tuesday at 2 p.m. Most people around here staying home, uh, myself and two others are in quarantine, um, self-quarantine. Uh, we don't have any symptoms, but we want to keep our family and community members safe seeing a lot of people walking me up and down my street. Other than that, not much. Something giving me hope is the drastic actions being taken. Um, they scare me, but at the same time, I know that's what needs to be done. 
I think one aspect of the story that needs better media coverage is an emphasis on how this can impact and harm young people. One thing I'm seeing is a lot of young people saying that they don't really feel like this affects them and they're continuing to go about life as normal. But not only can they impact other people, but I have seen a lot of things about how Many people in ICUs in Europe are under 50, um, and so this can also impact middle-aged and young folks, too. In terms of uh, how is uh, the virus affecting how I see the world, I think it's made clear a lot of uh, the everyday injustices that are in our society. We're seeing things like freezes on evictions, like the federal government potentially passing paid sick leave. I think it's really revealing a lot of things like that. Thank you for doing this project. Hope to be in touch. You're listening to Interweaving, a podcast of conversation and context from Weave News. Since 2007, Weave News has been investigating underreported stories, highlighting alternative perspectives, and promoting grassroots media making and critical media literacy. If you're interested in joining us as a content contributor, visit weavenews.org slash submissions. Now, back to more interweaving. My name is Ifat Ghazia. Today is Monday, 16th of March, 2020, and I'm reporting from Amherst, Massachusetts. COVID-19 has honestly affected us a lot, being a student myself and as well as a teaching instructor. In TV production, it has, I don't know, it has really been overwhelming and confusing. Uh, uh, In this semester, I already taught my students narrative filmmaking. And then on last Wednesday, we started studio directing projects. And just on Wednesday, we went into the studio, we did our drills and everything, and the students were so happy. And the day itself, we heard that um, the school is moving to online instruction, but all we were thinking about was how can we teach studio uh, drills and studio direction. Uh, we cannot do that online. It's um, also if I want my students to give them an alternative assignment of making like a narrative film, the question is editing softwares are very expensive and they have access to editing softwares and everything. We have a three-hour class every Wednesday. They do it there in the lab. Um, then how are they going to do it outside uh, outside of the university? I don't know whether they have better, whether they have good access to cameras or to uh, internet or even to editing software. So there are uh, many courses and things that we cannot uh, put to online instruction. And in terms of online instruction, I was reading somewhere like, it's going to be so hard. The, the internet will be like congested and sites and all these places are going to crash. So, and there is some as a, a sense in like physical learning, but then also at this point of time, we have to practice social distancing. Uh, we have to stay back at homes and we have to make sure that this virus dies because it has really impacted the entire world. Not in my lifetime, I have seen something like this. I mean, I come from Kashmir, which is a conflict zone. I have spent most of my life inside the house because there was a curfew outside, even recently from the last seven months. Kashmiris were sitting inside. There was even no internet. It was just like two weeks back. Internet was restored there after seven months. So we are used to like these 
circumstances and there in no way is any comparison here people are staying inside their homes they have all the food supply they have internet they have all the communication they can watch the news that's not the thing when people live in curfews in conflict zones they don't really have access to proper food they don't have access to communication and i have been reading a lot of posts online somehow like comparing this to the condition in kashmir or any occupied zone there is in no way any comparison life in conflict zones is different and it's very difficult and if you are like doing a curfew for your own good sake and that that cannot be compared to something when somebody is occupying you and taking all means of communication and livelihood away from you i mean kashmiri business has suffered billions in the last 7 months so uh, um yeah um i don't know whether i should say that i have a hope but one good thing that everybody has tell has been telling me is that the you know the pollution level all over the world has really come down um because industries are shut and people are staying inside homes so i don't really know i don't i i mean i i see a lot of media uh, reporting different stuff about covid-19 from different parts of the world but um honestly there is so much of information and news out there it's it's just overwhelming me so i want to see at my own level how i can help manage this and uh, uh not to get affected or affect someone else because of me um but one thing is certain that the world will not be the same again i don't know how many months it's going to take to contain it how we are going to do it will we find a vaccine i mean there are so many questions and barely any answers but for now like i said as a student and as well as an instructor this has really turned our world upside down i mean everything cannot be taught online um and some of my students were like seniors uh, they are graduating their graduation is not happening anymore even at like emotional level it's very overwhelming and they are missing on a large chunk chunk because this uh, studio directing is like very important for their skills in terms of like whether they were looking for jobs tomorrow or something they are completely missing out on it so i don't know uh, what's it going to be in the next semester or honestly so there are basically many many confusions many questions but not any answers for now My name is Charlie Finn. Today is Monday, March 16th, and I am reporting from London, United Kingdom. In the UK, there are 1,543 confirmed cases of COVID-19, with a death toll of 36. What I am seeing and hearing is immense anxiety that the UK will be the next state to be crushed by the virus, and there is significant fear that the Tory government is not doing enough to prevent this. The government's official policy is to delay the spread through what Boris Johnson calls herd immunity. But this approach has been criticized by health officials, politicians, and the general public. As an American living in London, I do feel slightly more comfortable here because of universal healthcare and widespread testing. 44,000 people have been tested for COVID-19 so far. However, it's hard to say that either the US or UK has offered a coherent plan to handle this crisis. Now, as a postgraduate student who has had all their courses moved online, what I have found hope in is the way in which local communities are coming together. For me, in self-isolation, maintaining connections and support in video chats with my colleagues at SOAS has been vital. 
What I think needs to be talked about is the way in which the coronavirus crisis is a reflection of a crisis of neoliberalism itself. When so many people rely on going to low-wage jobs to put food on the table or pay rent and are not given sick leave, they have no choice but to go into work. This puts themselves at risk of catching the virus and risk spreading it if they are already infected. But who is to blame? The worker who needs a wage to survive? Or the corporation that pays them so little and affords them no paid sick leave? From the point of view of neoliberalism, the issue is taken away from questions of Medicare as a human right and fair wages, and instead must be kept inside the current economic status quo. This ignores the structural problems that have facilitated the spread of the virus and will continue to endanger the working classes. And in the neoliberal psyche, the solution is not to provide safety nets to those who are most vulnerable, but to pump trillions of dollars into the economy to stabilize the markets and launch xenophobic and racist attacks on those who are perceived as others. Now, I do not claim to have any solutions to the COVID-19 crisis, but I believe common sense tells us that we need something different. We need a comprehensive global plan that prioritizes people over capital, provides the necessary support for healthcare workers and hospitals, and ensures that the people who do get the illness will be cared for. On behalf of the team here at Interweaving, sincere thanks to Mallory Craig Kuhn, AJ Braverman, Ifat Ghazia, and Charlie Finn for contributing their voices to today's episode. We hope to bring you more of these citizen journalist voices in the coming days and weeks as the world continues to confront the immediate effects and the broader implications of the COVID-19 pandemic. Take care. Interweaving is a production of Weave News, weaving the world together one underreported story at a time. Our engineer is Terry Dubray, and our theme music is provided by Bee Children. For more exciting grassroots media content, find us online at weavenews.org or on social media at Weave News. There you can find out how you can support us or join us in our work. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another episode of Interweaving. Interweaving.